We are in part 11 of our Death of America series. And one thing I just want to state, if you're visiting with us today, this is not a typical sermon I give. I'm usually a much more cheery guy, just so you know. So please come back. Don't let this be, uh, you know, this is one of those deals that I hate for this to be our first impression. Um, So please come back. With that said, we are going to reach the summit of this series today. This is where we're going to be at. We're going to reach the peak of this series, which means the good news is, as we continue, when I get back out of town, as we continue, it's going to be good news. It's going to be good things. It's going to be about hope, the hope we have in Yeshua, because all those who trust in him have hope. Amen? Well, if you remember in my last message, I began by showing you through Scripture some of the things we can expect to see come to this country, given our appetite for sin. These particular things are God's go-tos, if you will, when bringing judgment upon the land. And that is the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. These are some of the common themes by which we find the Lord implements his judgment. When a nation turns their back against God, these are the things you can expect to come. Now, if you remember in our last study, I mentioned that the tool or the device to implement this very thing, to implement these things, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, that very tool is alive and well in this nation today. And it's becoming more and more overt with each passing day. What am I referring to? I'm referring to communism. Everywhere you see communism, you are going to see the sword, the famine, and pestilence. These things are inherent in its DNA. This is what it does. This is what the machine of communism does. It produces death and destruction. And you simply just cannot look at our current situation in this nation as though it's totally coincidental that as our appetite for sin has grown, that communism has grown identically right along with it. You cannot write this off as some peculiar coincidence, especially when communism specializes in God's primary forms of judgment, the sword, famine, and pestilence. So today, we're going to continue to look at communism and its very real potential of being used by God to bring judgment upon this nation. Because as I said before, Listen to me very carefully. God forbid that the people of this nation should not recognize the judgment of God when it comes. God forbid that they do not recognize the signs that his judgment are coming that his judgments are coming upon the land. Now, I want to begin today with a video. And this is a very interesting and eye-opening video. The video is actually an interview of a defected KGB agent. And I'm showing you this video for multiple reasons. This is not something I would normally show on Shabbat. This is not a video that we would watch. But understand, there are spiritual dimensions to what is being spoken here, and that's why we're looking at this. And not just that, there's another reason. I want you to see this video. You need to have some perspective on communism and its infiltration in the United States of America, you have to see that what I'm talking about, it's a reality. You need to open your eyes and see it for what it is. You have to wake up. Now, as you watch this video, this is an 11-minute video. Pay very close attention because we're going to be utilizing this video as a springboard for the rest of today's message. Mr. Besmianov was born in 1939 in a suburb of Moscow. He was the son of a high-ranking Soviet army officer. He was educated in the elite schools inside the Soviet Union and became an expert in Indian culture and Indian languages. He had an outstanding career with Novosti, which was the, and still is, I should say, the press arm or the press agency of the Soviet Union. It turns out that this is also a front for the KGB. One of his interesting assignments was to brainwash foreign diplomats when they visited Moscow. 
and he'll tell us a little bit about how they did this and how they planted information which eventually wound up in the press of the free world. He escaped to the West in 1970 after becoming totally disgusted with the Soviet system, and he did this at great risk to his life. He certainly is one of the world's outstanding experts on the subject of Soviet propaganda and disinformation and active measures. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do, is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of it intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who have been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock, when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, Obviously, they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously, they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Yeah. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get... Uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. 
In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy. Uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with uh, benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins. Never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. 
the disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to. Unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, I'm going to cut it off there. I wanted to show you this video so that you could appreciate the reality of our situation. You need to understand, like it or not, communism is here in America, and it has been here for quite some time, infiltrating this nation, the principles of this nation, the founding documents of this nation. And it's been doing it covertly, in a stealth-like manner, through what he called, this is just putting a physical term on it, ideological subversion. You need to understand, this is where your enemy comes in covertly, changes the perception of reality, changes the perception of truth. You know, truth and morality are rendered null and void. And all of this happens without the people even realizing it. They're, as you would say, they're blind to it. They're totally blind to what is happening. I find this very interesting when you consider God's mentality of how he implements his judgment what he does to the people when his judgment is coming upon the land, what he does to the people. Look at what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy 28, 15. You're going to memorize this verse today. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. This is the warning. You do not keep my commandments. You don't do the things that I say. These are the things that are going to come upon you. And what is some of the things? Well, let's go to chapter, uh, verse 28. And we read, The Lord will strike you with madness, blindness, and confusion of heart. You want to wonder why no one can see what's happening right now? Why are these people so blind? Why is there so much confusion and uncertainty in this nation? Look no further this is why. It's all part of judgment. Did you catch what Yuri said in that video? He told us that as communism begins to take hold, something happens to society. And that is that no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, in the interest of defending their families, their communities, or even their country. There is blindness upon the people right now. Now, having said this, do not forget, ideological subversion is merely the way to describe a physical symptom of a spiritual reality, okay? A physical symptom of the spiritual reality. The physical symptom is ideological subversion. It is communism. The spiritual reality, the deeper truth, is judgment, God's judgment. That's the spiritual reality. The spiritual reality is Deuteronomy 28, 28. That's the spiritual reality. In other words, what am I telling you? I'm not telling you to fear communism. I'm telling you to fear God. Put your fear in Him. That's where it needs to be directed, amen? Now, having said that, I do want to review these physical symptoms, if you will, of what Yuri calls the four stages of ideological subversion. Because as we look at these stages, this is amazing you literally see God's judgment coming forth. You see them coming forth through these four stages. Now, the first stage is, we find, demoralization. This is where you have that Marxist-Leninist ideology pumped into the heads of Americans. It's injected into society. And this happens through a variety of different ways, one of which is getting those who hold communistic ideology to actually finagle their way into high-ranking offices, into influential positions of power, giving them the platform by which to carry out their agenda. For example, subverting our educational or academic arenas. And this isn't done just through textbook communistic propaganda, such as the implementation of curriculum, but rather it's done through Individuals holding direct positions of power, holding positions where they can influence others. Everything from grade school teachers to district superintendents to professors at colleges, whether they're private or state colleges, this is where a country can be brought to its knees 
and not even see it coming. It's amazing. John Starmer in his book, None Dare Call It Treason, which he, this was his research, was communism. Listen to what he says. Following Marx's death in 1983, now for those of you who are not familiar with Karl Marx, he's considered the father of communism. He had a vision of a utopia in which society should be. This is Karl Marx. This is the Communist Manifesto. So he, he, he alludes to his death in, in 1883. His theories were made a world force by two developments. They were the rise of the Fabian Society in England and Lenin's Bolshevik movement. In other words, what we have here is Marx, what, what, what Stormer's saying here is that Karl Marx had a vision, he had a dream. The way there's supposed to be a, this communistic utopia placed upon the entire world. And what Storm is telling us is that dream became reality through two different avenues. Two different avenues. Same goal, same principle. They're going the same place. But it became a reality two different ways. Lenin's Bolshevik movement, as you know if you studied history, this was getting the men to revolt to stand up and revolt, getting the working class to hate the bourgeoisie, to get the working class to hate capitalism. It was a rive, it was a powerful force. Whereas the Fabians, they were intellectuals. They, they were very crafty and sophisticated in their approach. It was nothing like the Bolshevik movement. The Fabians wanted to infiltrate by being smarter through colleges, schools, propaganda, holding places of office. They're, they're brilliant. Understand something. The communism of what Yuri was talking about and how it was happening, this ideological subversion, this comes from that British society, from the Fabianistic plan of how to implement communism. Now he continues, and he says, in 1884, a small group of English intellectuals formed the Fabian Society. It was their goal to establish the same classless, godless, socialistic, one-world society envisioned by Marx. Leadership of the group was assumed by Beatrice and Sidney Webb and the Irish author and playwright, George Bernard Shaw. We continue. Shaw described himself as a communist but differed with Marx over how the revolution would be accomplished and by whom. Shaw and the Fabians worked for the world revolution, not through an uprising of the workers, but through indoctrination of young scholars. The Fabians believed that eventually these intellectual revolutionaries would acquire power and influence in the official and unofficial opinion-making and power-wielding agencies of the world. Then they could quietly establish a socialistic one-world order. You need to see something about communism that is mind-blowing. Communism is barely 100 years old. And yet the vision of it, the ultimate vision is to create a new world order, a one-world government. This is their vision. In fact, when you look at the UN, you look at the UN and the charter back in the 40s, when they created the charter for the UN, do you know the communists had a significant influence on that charter? The drafts, they were going to put God, the language of God, in this charter, in the charter of the UN, and the communists came and said no. And guess who won? They took it out. You think about the Security Council, permanent members of the UN. They are the most inner sanctum. They are the inner core of the UN. Basically, they're running the entire world. Well, it is interesting when you think of the five countries that make up the Security Council. Five countries. The United States of America... Britain, the United Kingdom, and the three others, think about this, China, right, China, France, and Russia. Now, when you start letting the wheels turn, we know Russia's history in communism, okay? China, they're called Red China, communistic. France is socialistic, and they're moving in the wrong, wrong direction in a very intense manner. And now we see what's happening to this country this fourth member of the Council, of the Security Council of the UN, we are moving to communism. These things need to start sinking down into your head. You need to start opening your eyes and see what's happening here. The whole vision of what communism wanted was one world order. And we continue to read. 
Webb formulated the highly successful method these future rulers would use to change the world. He called it the doctrine of the inevitability of gradualness. In practice, it has meant slow piecemeal changes in existing concepts of law, morality, government, economics, and education. Each change is so gradual that the masses never awaken in time to stop the inevitable. This is unbelievable. So in other words, little, tiny, little movements, calculated, precise movements. Welcome to demoralization. This is an intentionally slow process which is meant to take place so as not to jolt the system. You shock the system, especially in a country like America, it would, it would revolt. We're armed. It would revolt. The Fabians knew that would never work here. They understood that. This is the, the proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water, right? Now, before I move to stage two of this ideological subversion, I want to give you another example of a physical manifestation that is happening right now in this country regarding the reality of God's judgment clearly coming to this nation through communism. There was a book written, which you already saw. The book was called The Naked Communist. This book was written in the late 50s, okay, late 1950s. The gentleman who wrote it, Klan Skousen, he worked for the FBI. And you know what he did? He studied communism. He studied the innermost sanctums of communism. And in this book, after studying communism over the years, he reveals the secrets. He comes out with this book to reveal the secrets of the Communistic Party. And he actually lists in the book 45 objectives. He lists 45 goals which the Communist Party has and how they will actually attempt to infiltrate the United States of America, how they're going to take it over. And interestingly enough, one of the goals was the following. This is just giving you one example. Emphasis emphasized the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. Attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppress influence of parents. The communist goal is to separate the children from the parents. That's what their goal is. The ultimate goal is to take the children. Total confiscation of the children. You know, you look at communist countries around the world, like China and North Korea... Communist Russia, whether under Lenin or Stalin, understand something. The children do not belong to the parents. They are the property of the state. The parents can say anything they want. They can have any idea they want in their head of how to rear their children. It's irrelevant. The state owns them. They are the property of the state. In a speech given at a conference on education in California, Going back to the 50s, the mid-50s, Dr. Brock Chisholm, he quotes, he's quoted, and he was the, the head of the World Health Organization. So he's not someone insignificant, very significant. Listen to this communistic propaganda. This is the way they think. This is what he says. The people who have been taught to believe whatever they were told by their parents or their teachers are the people who are the menace to the world. This is the propaganda. This is the propaganda. They demonize the very thought of, God forbid that we as parents would want to rear our children and teach them morals and principles. We're actually commanded in Deuteronomy to do just that, are we not? We're commanded to train up the child in a way he shall go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Our God, the God of creator, uh, who created heaven and earth, has commanded us to do this very thing, Yet communism, what communism does is it comes in and it separates that. It kills it. Total separation. This is communist ideology. And, um, well, let me show you this quote before I continue. This is from Adolf Hitler. He alone who owns the youth gains the future. You want to know why they want the children? You want to know why they're coming for the children? Because they knew and they know what Hitler knew. May you own the youth, you will own the future. You just step back for a second and you look at what is happening in this nation right now. 
you're left gasping with air. You're left gasping in air in, in disbelief. This is beyond unreal. But let me give you a shot of reality. In an article titled, the, the headline reads, They Want the Babies. And as we continue, we read this article. It says, At a recent awards dinner held in Stamford, Connecticut, and attended by 230 educators, corporate executives, and civic figures, people were stunned when the recipient of an award from the Child Care Learning Centers of Stanford paraphrased Adolf Hitler. This was just recently. Yes, you heard me right. And you know what? There's a war going on over our children here in America. Developer Robert Sinto, chairman of the William Pitt Foundation, said, Give me a child when he's seven, and he's mine forever. In his attempt to underscore the need for early childhood education, uh, to add to this outrageous nature of this comment, Sinto later said, I don't know why anyone was offended. What I wanted to say is we should spend this kind of time and money with children. No one should have been offended. See, this is exactly what you can expect when you have communists and communist ideology running around in child care learning centers. An ideology that's so sadistic that when they quote Hitler, we're just supposed to step back and apparently commend them for imparting to us such beautiful wisdom. In fact, we should be thankful that they're quoting it. Apparently, we're supposed to just release all cognitive brain function. We just need to stop thinking, thinking critically, thinking at all. Because apparently it's all in the best interest of the children. This is where they're coming from. Paul Reville, who is, he was the former Massachusetts Secretary of Education and Harvard professor. What did I tell you about Fabianism and this move and how to infiltrate through communism? These are the positions you need to hold. Elite positions. Professors have a dramatic amount of influence on this nation and the people in it. Well, on January 31st of this year, he sat as a panelist at the Center for American Progress, also known as CAP. Basically, it's a liberal think tank. Listen to what he says here. I'm sure there's always a, a small voice, and I think these, these voices get amplified in the midst of these arguments, of people who were never in favor of standards in the first place and never wanted to have any kind of testing or accountability, and those voices get amplified, but those are a tiny minority. The overwhelming majority of teachers are saying, uh, this is something, as Toby said, that makes sense. I mean, it, it, the, again, the argument about where it came from, um, I think, uh, privileges certain sort of fringe voices about federalism and states' rights and things of that nature, when really um, what we're doing at the national level here now, state by state, is what a lot of our states thought made sense individually. Why should some towns or cities in states have no standards or low standards and others have extremely high standards when the children belong to all of us? Did you catch that? This is what he said. The children belong to all of us. He's talking about nationalizing the education system. And I don't know if you caught what he said, but basically the, the audio was pretty poor on that but basically said that the critics who are criticizing this national program, that they're trying to shove down the throats of the states, you know. Uh, he's attacking these critics and calling them fringe voices and, and, and who talk about, did you catch it? Who talk about federalism and states' rights. Well, my goodness, that's how this was established. This union was established on that. And he's being condescending. He's, he's, he's presenting that in a negative way. Oh, how dare we do this? We should, we, you should just give what, what we're going to give you is this nationalistic way. Get out of the way. We don't care about states' rights. We don't care about federalism. And then you demonize the people that get in your way. You're going to get in our way or demonize you? The point being, the whole point here is they're coming for the kids. They're coming. They're on their way. The kids belong to them. This is the way they see it. Let me show you another video. This is Melissa Harris-Perry. And, and, and she's actually narrating a new MSNBC lean forward spot. And she also, coincidentally, is a professor from Tulane. Listen to what she says. We have 
never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. That's unbelievable. We got to break through this ideology that kids belong to their parents, this private ideology. They're coming for the kids. This is what is happening. It's interesting that if you understand the actual word communism itself actually means shared or belong to all. It comes from the Latin, communist. Shared or belong to all. I'd like to point out that even right now, Aspects of this reality exist on multiple levels, one of which is on our abortion laws. I mean, think about it. abortion. Yes, it's a legally protected right in this nation. But what most people don't realize is that the rights of the parents of their own teenage daughters have literally been stripped from them and they've been given to the state. For example, and I took this off the following. I actually took off a Planned, Parent, uh, Planned Parenthood website. And the statement refers to the regulations regarding abortion in the state of Virginia. Of course, Planned Parenthood cares about our teenage daughters so much, they want to make sure to equip them with this information. And here's what it says. Your state requires that one of your parents be told of your decision 24 hours before your abortion. And this is how most of the states run. You've got to tell your parents what you're doing. Now, what would a parent typically do? Well, a parent who's conservative come in is going to talk sense into their child. But here's what it goes on to say. But a judge or a doctor, other than the doctor who performed the abortion, can excuse you from this requirement. You do not need to go to your parents. On literally a life or death situation, you're not required. The state has literally come in and separated the parents from their children. Now, they're the property of the state. This is getting back to those little incremental moves, little by little stripping the parents of their rights. Let me show you the spiritual application here and why all of this is so terrifying. And it should terrify you. Going back to Deuteronomy 28.15, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Well, what do these curses look like? Well, let's go to verse 32. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. And your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hand. In other words, the parents are going to lose the rights of their children. Communism, the perfect tool to use to bring God's judgment upon a nation who has turned its back on God. When you look at the Bible, and then you look at what is actually happening in this nation today, the elements of communism are pressing hard upon us. It's too eerie for words. I'll say it again. They're coming for the kids. They want full custody. They don't want to share them with the parents. And you know what? It's actually already happening. This is actually already happening on individual basis all over the country. Let me give you an example, another shot of reality. Here's the headlines. It reads, Parents lose custody of teen after seeking second medical opinion. Girl indefinitely detained in psych ward. And then what goes on, we read, A judge has ruled that a Boston teen may continue to be held captive in a hospital and forcibly drugged indefinitely. The tragic series of events began when a doctor discarded an earlier medical diagnosis and declared another, prompting objections from her parents and threats to discharge her from the Boston Children's Hospital to take her to get a second opinion. Well, God forbid that a parent is looking out for the best interest of their child and they want to seek a second opinion when this guy's flip-flopping on medical diagnosis. Here we go on and read. 
An epic battle in, uh, of egos ensued, and the hospital decided that the parents, hospitals decided that the parents' insolent, insolence in challenging the doctor was tantamount to child abuse. Without a trial or having broken a specific law, the girl was stripped from her parents. Custody in the state of Massachusetts has kept her indefinitely detained in a hospital since February 2013. Now what happened is, is they've been going at it for a year in legal battles. The parents have been fighting them. But how did it turn out? Well, this is how it turned out. We read the headline, Judge Awards Permanent Custody of Justina Pelletier to State. The judge in a year-long custody battle over a Connecticut teen has awarded permanent custody to the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families. They're coming for the children. And they're not just coming, but they're taking them. Incrementally, little by little. Now getting back to our physical manifestation of ideological subversion, we're going to move from our demoralization process to the destabilization process. And what, what was destabilization? Well, it's a calculated attack. As Yuri said, it's a calculated attack on the economy, foreign relations, and defense systems. These three things are really the basic fundamentals to the destabilizing, uh, to the destabilizing process. This is how they take over the nation. This is a critical component. This is a critical turn where they start, where the heat starts to kick up. Now, one thing I can tell you for certain, <laughs> when looking at the economy of this nation, we've reached the edge of the cliff. As I've noted before, there are many economists who are predicting that an economic collapse in this nation, it's imminent. And this coming collapse is thought to be the mother of all collapses, the greatest collapse that this nation has ever seen. We're talking mind-blowing, catastrophic event. In fact, most of these economists actually believe it's going to happen by the end of next year, 2015. And you know what? You don't have to be a soothsayer to see that we are headed for an economic collapse. Our economic policies of just printing money, it's not a product of logic. It's not a product of responsible monetary policy. It's literally destroying this nation's financial system. They're literally destroying the value of the dollar, the fabric of the dollar. You're left asking the question, what is going on? Why pursue economic policies that are only harming our financial stability? Well, there's really only one, one way to answer that question, and that is they are intentionally doing it. There is only one way to answer that question. It's intentional. Well, what a coincidence. Listen to the following statement by Lenin. This is what he says. The surest way to overthrow an existing social order is to debauch the currency. It's an economic attack. See, Lenin knew a thing or two about overthrowing existing social orders, existing governments, and instituting new ones because he did it. And this is something he understands. Destroy the economy. It's all part of the process for communism to take over. Well, and wouldn't you know it, this is exactly what happens to those that God comes in and judges. Going back to Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And what do they look like? Going to verse 29. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. And you shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Total plundering, total economic calamity, total economic collapse. The word prosper, it vanishes into thin air. doesn't exist anymore. But again, remember, all of this movement of communism, this is merely describing a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem. A spiritual problem. And going back to our list of fundamentals, which are intentionally designed to destabilize a nation, the next one on the list that Yuri gave us is actually foreign relations. Let me ask you a question. How do our foreign relations look today? I mean, seriously. This nation is at an all-time low in regard to getting along with our neighbors. 
Which, what, what does that mean? Well, it means we're at an all-time high of American hatred. That's what it means. Never in the history of our nation have we ever been at such odds with the rest of the world as we are today. Nations around the world absolutely hate this country. And most of the people in this nation don't even know it. Why? Because the media has insulated us from it. The media only delivers a reality that they want you to know, that they want you to believe. But let me tell you something. If you watch international media sources, it's obvious and it's scary. I mean, we have to remember we're invading countries we shouldn't be. We're not helping countries we should be. We're essentially borrowing money from nations, taking their goods, and what are we giving them in return? Worthless paper. What do you think's going to happen? Mike Huckabee, he articulates the very position quite well as he was at a CPAC conference. I know that the only time that Vladimir Putin shivers is when he has his shirt off in a cold Russian winter. <laughs> that he's not the least bit worried about what we think of him or what we may pretend that we're going to do to him. The fact is we have unloaded our own guns and across the world no one trusts us, no one listens to us, no one respects us, and no one fears us. Here's what else I know. I know that there is not one country on this planet with whom we have a better relationship today than we did five years ago. And for all of the bluster that our president gave when he ran for president, telling us how he would play the flute and the snakes would be charmed back into the basket and the world would be a happy and safe place. The snakes are running all over the world today. And there is not one country anywhere with whom we have a better relationship than we did before. And that is not where America needs to be, and it is not where the world needs to be. He's absolutely right. I agree with him. There is not one nation on earth that we have a better relationship than we had before because we're in serious trouble. It is, it is DEFCON 3, people. Let me take it a step further. How is our foreign relations with Israel these days? Well, simply put, it's as pretty much short of lobbing bobs over there ourselves. It's as bad as it can get, Right? Apparently, we've taken it upon ourselves to attempt to tell Israel when and where their people can live in their own land. Oh, don't, never mind the fact that the God who created heaven and earth, everything in it, gave them the land. I guess we'll forget that component, and we'll just tell them when and where they can build, and where they can live. If that weren't enough, we now have our Secretary of State attempting to negotiate what they call, in their mind, a peace process, is simply a euphemism for literally stripping the nation of Israel of its land and dividing the holy city of Jerusalem. Let me tell you something. You want to talk about the death of America and the fact that God is going to bring judgment to this nation? You better look at what's happening, what we're doing to Israel right now because it's literally a situation of biblical proportions. And this is not a coincidence that America is being literally brought into all of this. Everything we've been talking about in this series is starting to converge. It's all coming to a head. Biblical prophecy is literally unfolding right in front of our eyes. And in the midst of this, America is going to collapse. America is going to be judged by the God of Israel. Well, moving on to our next one, what about our defense systems? Now, I don't have enough time. I, I could spend weeks talking about just this alone. I'm not going to do that. Just give you an idea. I mean, just forget the fact that we're one of the only nations in the world that doesn't have borders. I mean, seriously. Let's just forget that fact that we don't protect our borders. Things flow in and out of here, no problem. There's, they found tunnels digging under our borders. They just come in as they please. Just forget that fact. Understand something. There is a lot of things happening with our defense systems right now. Let me just give you a snapshot of what is happening. And this was in an article. I'll read it to you out of the blaze. Nine senior commanding generals have been fired by the Obama administration this year. 
leading to speculation by active and retired members of the military that a purge of its commanders is underway. When you investigate this further, I could show you article after article, you realize this is exactly what's happening. And we continue. Retired generals and current senior commanders that have spoken with the blaze say that the administration is not only purging the military of commanders they don't agree with, but is striking fear in the hearts of those still serving. There is a military purging happening right now. There is a reduction of United States military defense systems right now. Things are dramatically shifting in a way this nation has never seen before. We've never experienced anything like this. If I were to mention even some of the stuff that we're talking about in this series 20 years ago, you would have laughed in my face. You would have laughed in my face. Moving forward to stage three. He mentioned in the video, then you come to crisis. It's a methodical approach to take a nation down. This is where all the work and effort begins to pay off. And the violent change of power, it occurs. Or you could say it's assumed. Or you could say it's exercised. Whatever the case may be, the nation experiences a dramatic change at this point. It's a change of structure. It's a change of economy. And if you look at where we're at in this nation right now, this is where we're coming. Any day now, any given day, we could be brought to crisis. And this is where the course of history will change for this nation and for the world. And after that, we come to the last stage, which is the normalization process. Normalization process. You need to understand that this is the settling. And it's not settling as we think of it. This is where the people start to get carted off to labor camps, detention centers. This is where people start dying on a very intense level. And yet, while all this is happening, the situation will be portrayed as though everything is perfectly fine. Everything is under control, when in fact, as Yuri had put it, it's not under control, it's disgustingly out of control, at least from a physical, secular perspective. See, this is the point where the sword and famine laid waste to the land. This is where we will see God's judgment, openly, in full force and effect, and this is where, guess what's going to happen when all of this takes place? The madness will come in. And when we go to Deuteronomy 28, 34, we read, So you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. The people are going to completely lose it in this country. It's going to be horrifying. The very fears, the greatest fears that Americans fear are going to come upon their own heads. And that will be God's doing. This is what is so terrifying about it. Isaiah 66, verse 3, we read, And as their soul delights in their abominations, so will I choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. The very thought of this passage should drop you to your knees in repentance. This is the effect it should have on you. I want you to think about something. The Lord knows the fears of man. The worst thing ever, you know, you think about, you go back to the 80s, and there was a horror series called Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, let me be clear, I never watched those. My parents didn't let me. They were smart. They protected me, that stuff, and I went to watch it because it was demonic anyways. But one thing I remembered about this, it was, it was just funny, is that what made this character so scary, as my friends were explaining it to me, why is he so scary? There's all these other scary guys out there. He knew the fears of the people he haunted. Think about this. And yet I read Isaiah 66, God is going to bring the worst fears that we have, and he is going to rain them down upon this nation. You wonder why you're going, people are going to go mad? They're going to be driven insane because of that. Scary stuff. Believe me, God is much scarier than any fictitious character we can create in Hollywood. I promise you. Now, there's an interesting passage in Revelation. I threw this in right at the end. I thought you'd enjoy it. 
the passage in chapter 6, verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it, had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. In verse 3, when he opened uh, the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see, another horse, fiery red, went out. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and the people, that the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Well, let me ask you something. When you think of communism, the first thing that honestly should come to your mind is death. Death through the sword. It's the sword. And here's what's so interesting about this passage. As I was going through my piles and piles of notes and information, sifting through old propaganda pieces of communism, I came across this, this poster that was used to propagandize uh, the, the actual ideology of communism. Here's what it looks like. A fiery red horse. Now, this is just interesting. Let me be clear on something. Do I believe that the red horse mentioned in Revelation is explicitly referring to communism alone? Not necessarily. But I don't see it a coincidence that they're literally utilizing this piece as a propaganda piece to sell communism, and the very thing it's known for is the sword. This is not a coincidence, okay? It's not. Let me take it a step further since we're on the topic of propaganda. I want to show you something that was recently released, and it's created quite a firestorm, if you will. Recently, is anyone familiar with Jay Carney? He's the press secretary for the current administration. That's who he is. He's working with the current administration. Recently, there was uh, the Washingtonian Moms Magazine released the spring issue. And it was of his family. It was a nice little article in, in pictures. Let me show you the picture that was featured in the article. Here it is right here. Very nice looking family. They're in the kitchen. It's, it looks very American. This looks as American as it can get. Well, with the exception of one fact. The communist propaganda hanging on the walls. Literally, those are communistic propaganda pieces. I mean, maybe this is a coincidence and maybe it's normal for Americans who live in a liberty and free society to decorate their homes with communist propaganda, but I've never run into this, especially when you've got people in the current administration decorating their homes with communist propaganda. This is mind-blowing. Know this. There is no question that the judgment of God is coming upon this nation. This nation is unrecognizable right now. You've got to open your eyes. And let me tell you something. You need to start warning people. Not about communism. Warn them God's judgment is coming to this nation. You need to start preaching the gospel of Yeshua. Because there is hope. There is salvation. I want to end on this. Mike Huckabee, he really captures the reality of where we're at in this nation today. Do we really want an America in which instead of having free speech, we simply have a few forms of speech that are carefully protected by the radical left? And if you don't agree with them, it's not just that they want to uh, put their voices to be louder. They want to shut yours down. Freedom of speech in this country, that for which those men grabbed those muskets off the mantle, did never mean that we're to have fewer voices but more voices. It wasn't that we couldn't dissent, it was that we could, whether you agree with the opinions or not. My gosh, I'm beginning to think that there's more freedom in North Korea sometimes than there is in the United States. When I go to the airport, I have to get in the surrender position, people put hands all over me. And I have to provide photo ID in a couple of different forms and prove that I really am not going to terrorize the airplane. But if I want to go vote, I don't need a thing. All I got to do is show up and I can give them anybody's name and that's okay. 
one thing that you need to understand what he said. It is so true. The face of America has changed. And one thing you need to remember about communism is that the enemies of communism, the people that suffer, are its own people. So when you start seeing what, experiencing what he's talking about, he's being treated like a terrorist when he goes to the airport, the light bulb should go off because this is what communism does. But again, that's simply a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem, of a spiritual reality. And we don't get caught up in the physical symptoms, get caught up in the spiritual reality. Amen? And get in relationship with Yeshua. The music team can come up now. The good news is, there is good news. This isn't our home. That is the good news. Don't lose heart. Stand fast in faith in Yeshua. Amen?